Bree Didina, your spiritual life coach. This is the Beyond Grounded Podcast. Our goal is to help you overcome those paralyzing roadblocks by discussing life experience and connecting you with your universal team. Welcome to the Beyond Grounded family. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Beyond Grounded. I'm your spiritual life coach, Brandi Dino. And today, today is one of those, like, I feel like I win the lottery. My guest today has been one of the most inspirational, full of life, fearless. I can't wait. I can't wait for all of you to get to know her as well. Helen Brahms, my guest, she has, um, she's a genealogy detective, basically helping people and families discover their, their ancestry and heritage and self through their genealogy tree. She does marketing consulting. She also, in her journeys, have, has created the HaveToCruise.com, helping people with their cruises. But due to COVID and the great 2020 catalytic year, things of that nature have changed. So that's, that part of her has been on hold. Um, I must tell you, Helen and I, we met several months ago whenever I joined the Polka Dot Powerhouse uh, group of women, especially the entrepreneur uh, membership. And she and I just seemed to click right away, and I was drawn to her, and she was so nurturing and loving and larger than life, like anything can be done. And she was helping me get the foundation for what I was creating in my business this year. And also, she had a very wonderful experience where she got to see the side of me that interacts with the other side because her amazing husband showed up to tell her how much he loved her and how much he was supporting her. And the fact that he was proud of what, where she was in her moment of, of doing her 365-day travels, which I can't wait for her to talk to you about on that one because how many people have daydreamed about a moment like that where she just courageously did it. So hopefully you get inspired by that. Um, I, I just can't speak enough about her. And so before I just start rattling out of my just shock of feeling like I won the lottery with you, Helen, welcome. Welcome to the Beyond Grounded family and sharing, you know, sharing this space and time with us. Well, Bree, thank you so much for inviting me to be a guest. Wow, what an incredible introduction. I don't think I've ever had such a such an amazing introduction like that before. So thank you. I appreciate um, you asking me to be here and I'm honored to be here. And share my and help and share my story to get it out there. So hopefully it will inspire somebody out there. If it inspires one person, this whole thing seems completely worth it. Oh, hundred percent. I agree with that. So, like, take take us back. Take us back to, you know, you starting to create your own business. Like, did you work, you know, for a corporation or a company, and then decide to go out on your own? Like, let's let's go back and briefly talk about how you you came into the positions and what you love to do today. Oh my gosh, this this story is a very long story, and um, so we'll, we'll tell we'll tell it the we'll give you the cliff note version, which is a term I learnt here in the states. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so if people are wondering about the accent, I'm originally from New Zealand, born and raised. I've been in the states since 1997. Um, I actually met Brad, my late husband, on the internet in 1996 in a chat room. Um, so we are one of the pioneers of instant dating, which is kind of cool. Um, <laughs> but back in January 2008, Brad got diagnosed with rectal cancer. Now, I've always been a very positive person my entire life. Um, yes, you know, you have your teenage ups and downs and all that sort of stuff. But it wasn't until we went through what we went through with his cancer that I developed my super fantastic sparkling attitude. And I always tell people I earned the right to have that attitude. Um, because 
even though I was a positive person, it was what I went through with my husband being his advocate, being his caregiver, um, and helping him keep maintaining my positive attitude to help get us through the journey because he said he would not have survived had it not been for me and my attitude. Um, and he survived almost 10 years with, um, with rectal cancer. Um, so 2008 we decided, you know, well we got told that news in January of 2008. It was actually Martin Luther King Jr. birthday the day we found out about it. Um, and then fast forward through the four months, that we had a period we called the four months of hell. Now at the time I was working for Marriott International. Okay. Um, and I had been working for, I started working with them in 2000, so eight years later. And uh, so I've always been in the corporate, I was actually World New Zealand Air Force for six years and then I went into the corporate world from there. So I had that transition from military into civilian life. And then this thing happened in 2008 and we have what we call the four months of hell. And Brad had to have a temporary ileostomy put in. And for those people that don't know, it's where they um, bring the small intestine out to the skin surface and have your body waste empty into a bag called an ostomy. Um, and that was an experience in itself, but we had the ostomy from hell. He was called Freddie. Um, it was either that or some four-letter F word. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we had to deal with that. And during that four months of hell, we decided that we needed to get more income coming in because my husband was a contractor who wasn't working at the time so had no money coming in from, his, from the contracting work that he was doing. I was on um, the Family Leave Medical Act, um, uh, the Family Leave Medical from work, so I was working part-time hours and, taking care, and then coming home in the afternoons to take care of him. And so we decided we needed to do something from home. Now, I've always had an entrepreneurial mindset. Um, I've always... I knew there was more than just a corporate job out there. There was, you know, there was something else out there. I just hadn't found the right thing at the time. I tried a couple of things and not had success with them, but I wasn't giving up. And uh, which is one of my big things is never give up. Always step outside your comfort zone. And right now, with what's going on in my life right now, I am so far outside my comfort zone. I have absolutely no idea where it is anymore. Because <sighs> um, <laughs> I have amazing people in my life, mentors and and um, incredible friends and coaches that continually push me and push me and push me and encourage me to step further away from the comfort zone. So I honestly have no idea. You can give me a compass and I'll probably never find my way back to it. Um, <laughs> would you want to, though? With, I'm pretty good with orientation. <laughs> yeah, but would you really want to find your way back, Helen? <laughs> no, I don't want to find my way back to the comfort zone because that's, um, I'm, I'm comfortable with being uncomfortable now. If I got comfortable being comfortable, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we decided to start it. So we were looking through the Entrepreneur Magazine of 2008, which had the top 100 franchises in there. And we're going through, and there's car washes and laundromats and vending machines and one thing after another. And I turned to Paige and I said, well, what about travel? And my husband, whose parents had a brick-and-mortar travel agency for a number of years, said, you can't do travel from home. He said, you've got to have an office for that. No, we need to do something from home. I said, well, there's an entire section here on travel that you can actually do from home, and this cruise planner's outfit is the number one franchise for the last six years running. And just as an FYI, they are still the number one in the travel section of the Entrepreneur Magazine for Franchise. Nice. Um, they've held that title ever since. Um, and um, so we started investigating. We looked at the other franchises available, and we ended up going with cruise planners, and that's how we started our business. Now, remember... I'm working part-time, hubby's not working, we're going through this cancer rigmarole, we're in the four months of hell, which is off the charts of the stress levels, um, and I always tell you that when you're under stress and duress, which we definitely were, never make any life-altering situa life decisions. 
So we decided to start a franchise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but as you can tell, we, we don't do things normal. Um, and so it was part of the thing of joining the cruise lines was we then had to go to franchise training and then our official date would start. So we signed up with them in August of 2008. We didn't go to training until March of 2009, which means our official start date with them was August the 1st of 2009. And uh, so, you know, 11 years later, we're still with the company, um, still have the business. Of course, that was COVID. Everything's kind of zeroed out, bottomed out and all of that because they keep changing the dates on when we can, when cruise lines can start sailing again and all that sort of stuff. And a lot of countries still have their borders closed. So now it's sort of like, what can we do at home? What can we go see within our own borders? And it's a great opportunity for people to get out there and go explore their own countries. Absolutely. Um, there's, there's massive opportunities right now to do that. So then we fast forward through that. Um, I got laid off from Marriott in 2010. After 10 years with the company, they changed the um, structure of the department I worked for and my job was disappeared. Um, and that was the most exciting day of my life when I got told that I had been laid off. And I said to them, I said, really? And they go, yeah, I go, that's awesome. <laughs> and the poor girl at recruiting had no idea how to react to that. Yeah, she probably and thought that you were a little, like, you know, crazy, that you hit a wall where most people would be freaking out, and you're like, oh, my God, that, thanks so much for making that decision. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I because all of a sudden I could see these possibilities of now I don't have to build my travel business part-time. I can actually go full-time in the business. I can go to networking events for the business because networking events were always held during the day when I couldn't go because I was working. Um, so all these possibilities suddenly became available to me. And that was the start of cutting the ties with, corporate, with the corporate world. Um, I haven't had a corporate job since um, July 30th of 2010. It's all been business related. And um, so we then went through all the challenges and Brad actually got... Hey, after his surgery in May of 2008, he was actually cancer-free. At that point, they managed to cut all the, the, um, the cancer out of his body, but he still had to do the follow-up um, chemo treatments and everything else. And the ileostomy just made it worse, so he actually went for an early reversal of getting the ileostomy closed up because of the reaction his body was having to the chemo while having the ileostomy. Oh, um, wow. so okay. April of 2009, he completed chemo, he was still cancer-free. We had to go in for regular checkups every six months. He had to have a PET scan done um, every six months for the first three years, and then he went to once a year. Um, and then he went on some biological drugs for his psoriasis that he had, and his CA levels, which for those who don't know what CA levels are, they are the markers in the blood that tell you whether or not cancer is present or could be present. And his, num his markers started rising. Um, and then it wasn't until... Um, October, uh, sorry, November of 2014, we found out his cancer was back and it had mutated to a very aggressive form. But we're going to go back to 2010 because when we arrived in California, I still was not super fantastic and sparkling. I had heard the phrase, I had tried using it, but I felt like a fraud using it. Oh, okay. And then when we arrived in LA, my mother-in-law were at my mother-in-law's place and she wanted to go out for dinner that night. Now, bear in mind, we'd just driven four or five six hours, however long it took us to get from wherever we were to her place, and she went now wants to go out for dinner. We're like road tired. So, but of course, she doesn't cook at her place. So there's no food in the house, so we have to go out. Um, <laughs> we couldn't even get delivery at her place. Her place is outside any delivery areas. Oh, jeez. Um, so we went, so we walked into the, the restaurant. Um, it was a diner. We walked in, and the person, as we walked in the door, the person asked us, how, you know, oh, how are you doing today? And without even thinking or hesitating, out of my mouth came super fantastic and sparkling, thank you. 
how are you? At that moment, I had arrived. I had earned the right to use that phrase. Now, with you um, being so positive, like, all your life, what, what do you think it was inside of you that wouldn't let you even use that phrase and feel like you meant it? Like, what do you think that was, Helen? Um, I think it was because I hadn't been through any challenges that would, um, I guess it was, it was also a growth thing as well. It was a maturity and a growth thing within myself that I had to overcome. Okay. Um, going through the challenges we had with Brad, because I was there as an advocate, I was, there was a lot of times he couldn't talk for himself, and I had to stand up to medical personnel and say, you are not doing that. Um, we had one nurse, she was a complete bitch, and everybody else on the floor agreed with us. And they were actually quite thankful that I had stood up to her because nobody liked her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she, was, she was that bad. Fortunately, she was the pain nurse, and she was upset because Brad wasn't using his pain pump. I said, he's not in pain. She said, he hasn't pressed his pump in 42 hours. I said, he's not in pain. Why would he press it? Well, he has to stay ahead of it. I said, if he is not in pain, why does he need to press the pump? Yeah. And, but in her mind, you have to keep pressing the pump every four hours to get that pain just to stay ahead of the pain. He hadn't, had, he hadn't been in pain for 36 hours or, or longer, so why would he need to press the pump? And so she got it, and then she, found, then she found out that on his record he had sleep apnea. I want to know why he wasn't on CPAP. I said, because he's lost 60 pounds and the sleep apnea is no longer there. Yeah, well, he now needs to be monitored. And I'm like, no, he doesn't. Well, he has to be monitored for his oxygen levels. I said, if you look at his readings on his oxygen levels, they're all up around between 97 and 99%. I said, what needs to be monitored about that? Well, that's because they wake him up and give him a da-da-da. So she goes and gets the charge nurse. The charge nurse comes in, and she goes over this whole thing again. And the charge nurse, very quiet, because Brad was completely out of it. He was asleep, um, and he was in a deep sleep, and I wasn't going to wake him. And so the charge nurse pulls the little machine over, hooks the little oxygen monitor thing up to his finger. It registered at 98%, and the guy's asleep. And she's trying to tell us that, oh, well, when you wake them up, they get this big insurgence of oxygen into their system, which is why they get the high reading. He's out to it. He comes out at 98%. She says, well, you have to sign this thing to say that we're not responsible and blah, 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 blah. And I went, no. And so I go over to Brad and, I, and um, you know, deny all hospital responsibility, that blah, 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 blah. So I go over to Brad and I actually wake him, explain to him the situation. He goes, don't need to be monitored. And he's like half asleep. I don't need to be monitored. Oxygen is between 97 and 99%. And then he goes back to sleep. And she goes, well, that's what I wanted out of him was a response. Why do you respond to I said, have you ever had an NG tube down shoved down your nose into your gut to get rid of the bloating? And she's like, no. I said, well, he just had his removed after being stuck with it for 36 hours. He gets no sleep with that thing down his throat. Of course he's tired. That's why he didn't respond because he's completely out to it right now because he's so tired. And she goes off mumbling. We never signed any release form to release him of any responsibility for him not being on a CPAP or anything like that. And, and I, went to one of the, I went to the charge nurse later and I said to her, I said, well, we're too rough with her. She goes, no, we all think she's a bitch and nobody likes her anyway. Uh. <laughs> but it was having to deal with things like that and, um, and going through the different struggles that cancer people have, especially as a cancer caregiver, because one of the golden rules when you are a caregiver for a loved one is you have to take care of yourself before you take care of your loved one because if anything happens to you, who's going to take care of your loved one for you? And that was my biggest, one of my biggest challenges. The other one was learning to ask for help because I've always been an independent person. Now I had to ask other people to help me look after Brad or help me with stuff around the house or you know, get somebody to come over and mow the lawns or whatever. 
Um, so having to ask people for help was another struggle. So there was those internal struggles I was going on with myself that I think broke through the ba- that um, I eventually broke through the barriers that were there that helped me become super fantastic and sparkling. And um, I mean, if you look at the picture of me when I'm like two, and I put it up every December for my birthday month, there's that sparkle in my eye. Everybody comments on the sparkle in my eye whenever I put that picture up. It's always been there. I just had to grow into it. So that was going through those struggles with Brad and all the challenges we had related around his, around the cancer and the medical problems that would show up and having to be there for him consistently and breaking through my own mental blocks and barriers and things before I could step into the power of being super fantastic and sparkling. So I think that's um, why before that it felt so fake was because I hadn't stepped into that power of it and I wasn't ready to own it. But now I own it. I love it. It's who I am. Yeah, I love it because it it is such a deep perspective when you step, you know, you step back and you look at the importance of everything you've been through, just to fully understand what it's like to truly embrace those those you know those words. So Mm -hmm. you know that that's awesome. Yeah. So you had your cruising going on full time in the house, and Mm -hmm. you've been the solid support system for your you know your most beloved husband. You started with your marketing consult and your genealogy detective, and I definitely want to talk about what that sparked in you. Um, well, genealogy has been a passion of mine since I was a teenager. Uh, that started with my grandfather looking, researching his side of the family tree, and then my mother picking it up, adding in her mother's side of the family tree and my dad's side of the tree. Um, so that got sparked back then. It's always been a passion of mine. I've always helped people start their trees and everything else. So when COVID hit, it was, okay, I can't do travel anymore. What else can I do? And, some, and somebody had planted the seed last year. You have such a passion for genealogy. Why don't you have it as a business? And so that seed came to fruition this year um, once COVID hit. And I look at COVID not as a pandemic, but as a global pause. You know, we have all been blessed with this time in history and this time in our lives where we can now turn around and look at and reevaluate. We have the time to reevaluate ourselves. A lot of people are learning to work from home. A lot of people have been laid off or on furlough. Um, but now it's their time where they can step into their power and say, what is it I really want to do? And let's go do it. You know, I've always wanted to learn the guitar. Well, why not pick up that guitar, go watch some YouTube videos and learn how to play the guitar? Absolutely. Um, you know, we've always wanted to renovate the house. Well, why not do it now? You've got the time to do it now. It's like somebody's taken the, the remote control on life and hit the pause button. And now you have the time to take that breath and catch up. Because we're so busy with our day-to-day lives and everything else that we forget about and other things and things just that we want to do just get dropped off on the side. Well, now that the pause button's been hit, we can now pick up those things that have been dropped on the side and give them a go. Um, and step towards learning to live a life with no regrets. Um, one of the things with Brad, you know, his cancer came back in November of 2014, and that ch- that time from then to when he passed in 2017, it was almost almost a full three years from when um, we found out it was back. Um, that was our most challenging time of the whole cancer journey, where, because he was having one medical challenge after another, after another, after another, and we would stop, start treatment, stop, start treatment, stop, start treatment. Um, so we were constantly, and it was a, mentally, it was, um, it was a lot coming in and there was a lot of stress going on. It was even worse than the first time when he'd been diagnosed. 
um, our first round. This one was a lot tougher. Um, and because it had also mutated into a very aggressive, it was a rare aggressive mutation, but his oncologist we had is one of the top in the, was one of the top in the country in research for colorectal cancer. Um, and he said he actually had another guy that had the same mutation. But Brad's was, was even though it's an aggressive form, his was going at the pace of a snail, whereas he had another patient who had the same um, mutation where they could not stop treatment for his cancer while dealing with medical issues that would pop up. Oh they would have a medical issue pop up, we would stop treatment, deal with the medical issue, put him back on treatment again. So this was our continued cycle for three years. And then he went, so on the 23rd of June, 2017, he went into hospital um, within severe pain um, because he had had a procedure done two days beforehand where he'd been laying flat on his back for over two hours for this procedure under anesthesia. But think about, um, he had not been laying flat on his back in over a year because he had crushed vertebrae. So he'd been sleeping in a recliner. So if you think of when you go and suddenly decide to do a massive workout and you haven't worked out in ages, and then two days later your muscles are seizing up and you've got that pain going through your body, that's what happened to him. His, it was through his entire body. So actually admitted him into hospital to get his pain under control. And that started our 87-day uh, cycle of he was in hospital for 87 days, home for five days, and then passed away. Um, or I, I like to call it transition. His body got so broken by cancer during that time, um, his mutation suddenly decided to kick it into high gear. And um, the cancer broke down his body so much that his soul could no longer live there. So he did not lose the war against cancer. Cancer just broke his body so much that his, his soul couldn't live there anymore and had to transition to the next plane of existence. And so I am grateful that he is no longer in pain. Yet, and it was funny, the day before he um, transitioned, there was a whiteboard on the wall next to where we had his bed at home. And it had Welcome Home Brad written on it. And I was looking at it on the Saturday. And I thought, oh, that needs to be changed. You know, he's been home since Monday. It's got to change. So I erased that out. And I wrote on the board, no matter what happens, today is always, and always is in capital letters, super fantastic and sparkling. And I wrote that on the whiteboard. And he transitioned less than 24 hours later because that was like I think mid-morning on Saturday and he went at 4 o'clock the next morning or 4 or 5 the next morning and as I was sitting there next to his body with I call them sparkles of love flowing freely down my face um, I looked up and all I could see on all I could see on the board was today is always super fantastic and sparkling and I always remember this clear as about sitting there thinking you know it is a super fantastic sparkling day because he is now free of this disease he is free from pain he has full mobility again, um, even though my heart was breaking. And, you know, he's, he's still with me in spirit. Um, I, was, I felt extremely blessed in that moment that, you know, we had had all those years together that we had had, even though our, his life got cut short. Um, but then it didn't really get cut short because we're all here for a specified amount of time. We all have a purpose to do, and when our purpose is fulfilled, that's when it is time for us to transition to the next plane of existence. So his purpose on this world had been fulfilled. His biggest regret now, by about four or five days before he came home, the palliative counselor was in, the palliative care counselor was in with us. And she actually asked him the question, um, what are some of the things that you regret the most about your life? And his, one of his biggest regrets, and at the time he only had one grandchild, he had a two and a half year old grandson and he, he looked at, he, he turned to the woman and he said to her, he says, my biggest regret is I will not get to see my grandchildren grow up. 
Oh, wow. That was his biggest regret. Um, and he only had one grandchild at that point. Um, so that was, for him, you know, that was, I was, in that moment, I think it suddenly hit me in that moment that his time on this earth was coming to a close. I didn't want to believe it because I kept trying to divert things somewhere else and be more positive, you know, because we'd even started making plans while he was in hospital of different cruises we were going to take. We were booked to go on a Panama Canal cruise the following May. Um, you know, so we were looking forward to these, you know, we, we had booked trips to take at later dates after he got out of hospital and he was getting well again. You know, these are all the trips that we're going to go and take. And we had actually booked some of them, you know, paid deposits on them. So we had plans beyond the hospital. Um, and so it was um, one of the hardest things was um, after he had transitioned, although I will tell you this, after the undertakers had come to take his body away, Brad's middle son and his wife were staying with us at the time. They went back to bed and they suggested I go back to bed and the oldest son went back home. Um, and I said, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to head back there. And I walked into the bedroom and looked at the bed and I thought, I can't sleep in it. And so I went back out and I went and actually stood outside because the sun was, it was in the dining room. Looked out the window, there was the most perfect sunrise I had ever seen. The colors were vivid. It was just a gorgeous, gorgeous sky. And I have never in my life seen a sunrise like that and haven't seen one since. And it was my, and I felt Brad's presence in that moment telling me that I'm okay. Telling me that he was okay. So that was, that was, I still remember that moment. And I don't remember much of the three months afterwards. I remember little bits here and there, um, but I was in a fog. And um, one of the hardest things I did after Brad passed was the following May, instead of doing the Panama Canal cruise, I switched it to an Alaska cruise. Because Alaska was the very first cruise we had ever done. And I felt like that was the right one to do because I knew the port. And um, I felt like it would be the complete, completing the circle of our time of traveling together. And the hardest moment was when we were doing the, um, the safety drill. I'm standing there on the ship, I was on Celebrity Solstice, I'm standing there, I am surrounded by couples. They were standing there holding hands, they were standing there hugging each other, snuggling up, whispering to each other, talking to each other, and I'm standing in amongst the, you know, about 100 people completely by myself, and this big wave of emotions hit me in that moment of this is my life now. And all I wanted to do was just curl up on the floor and be a pile of a goo on the floor, and I would tell you that was, the, and this is right at the beginning of the, of the safety drill. We hadn't even started the safety drill at this point. And I was sort of like, I was checked out. I just wanted to curl up on the floor and just be by myself and just let loose. That was the longest 40 minutes of my entire life, that safety drill. And then having to go into an elevator, go, I think it was two or three, two or three levels up to get to my floor so I could get to my cabin. And in the second that, that, that lock went snip, I let loose. I just caught up on the bed and just and just bawled my eyes out. And because of the sense of loneliness that came over me in that moment and the reality that hit me that I was not going to see Brad again in this lifetime on earth. Um, and I would be doing all this traveling by myself. Oh my gosh, what, so a, that was what a very... That wave hit me. What a very courageous and challenging moment. I, oh my gosh, yeah. Helen. It was, it was hot. It was... It was heart-wrenching. But then a couple of months beforehand, on the 15th of March, I decided I was going to sell everything and go live in an RV because the thought of having to leave the house that we were renting at the time, 
I had another year left on the lease and the thought of packing everything up, trying to find somewhere to go to live. Um, I didn't want to live in an apartment that much I knew because I'm not an apartment type person. I don't like living in boxes and, and amongst boxes. I want my open air space around me. Um, and I'm sitting there and I'm like looking all around and talking to myself going, oh, I've got to and going down this list of stuff I would have to do and I got so overwhelmed and I just went, I just yelled out, screw it, I'm going to go live in an RV. And I sat up and I looked all around the room and there's just me in the room. I go, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> Looking for him. It's like little did you know, <laughs> yeah, little did you know that you were going to need that for the, what, uh, what you decided to, to do. <laughs> yeah, so that was March 15th. I looked online. There was a, uh, an RV show in town that had started that day and went over the weekend and Saturday was St. Patty's Day. And so I wore my green shirt and off I went to the RV show to start looking at RVs to see, you know, what do I like, what, I, what don't I like, what type of layout do I want, so starting to get ideas and things. And, uh, and then 14 months later, I bought Sparkles and um, I've been in Sparkles ever since. So, you know, traveled over 10, we've done over 11,000 miles in Sparkles now. What, uh, what inspired you to want to do a 365 recorded trip? Around oh, the United so States. My Facebook lives. Well, that was my friend Casey. It's all his fault. Um, <laughs> God, he, 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 he really talking. blessed you. For, it's like, good job, buddy. Wait, it's your fault, but good job. <laughs> <laughs> well, he actually, because I, he, he had mentioned earlier on when I started living in the RV that, you know, you need to be doing Facebook lives about life in the RV. What's it like living in an RV and traveling by yourself and stuff? And I was like, yeah, okay. So I was doing the sporadic. Um, sporadic lives here and there some was consistently you know day after day so then in july he turned around to me july in 2019 he turned around to me and he said i want you to do a he said i'm going to challenge you to do a facebook live for a year and without thinking i went okay little did i know thinking i've got it you know and i thought and then i suddenly realized that 2000 that 2020 was a leap year and i thought crap i'm doing 366 not 365 <laughs> Took me into an extra day here. That's not fair. Um, so August the 1st, I started doing Facebook Lives every day for a year. On July 31st this year, I did a Facebook my Facebook Live that day. I actually had Casey come on as a guest, and we talked about the whole challenge and the consistency of it and stepping into our own. And on the 17th of March of 2020, I actually started doing two Facebook Lives a day because I got so fed up of the negativity coming through my Facebook feed I thought, I have to do something about this. So I started doing morning ones where I was now challenging people with different challenges each day that were um, something to do for the mindset, something to do for their business, something to do to have fun, to try and get positivity in the feed. And then as I started doing that, the posts coming through on my Facebook feed were more positive. This is what other people were posting. So more positive posts started getting posted by other people. And that's what I was saying. So it's what you put out, you get back. So I started putting out these positive Facebook lives every morning and I started seeing positive feedback coming through onto my Facebook Live, onto my Facebook page, um, into the feed there. And um, so come the 31st of July, I had um, over 650 videos had been uploaded into YouTube. Oh, wow. From my, starting my one a day, and some days I was doing two or three a day because, you know, going to different places and stuff. But there was over 650 videos had been, um, Facebook Lives had been moved from Facebook onto YouTube. And now we're over 700. And because I then decided to keep, you know, I thought I'm in the habit now, so I'm going to keep going. And then I was doing a training class a while ago, and somebody was talking about um, Gary Vanderchuk and how he had done Facebook Lives, for, um, not Facebook Lives, he'd done YouTube videos every day for three years before people 
um, suddenly realized who he was and the, and the amount of content there. And I suddenly thought, so I sent a note to Casey going, um, it's day 405 of doing Facebook Lives. I now have um, 690, what was it? So I figured out it was 1,096, video, 1,096 days from the 1st of August to the 31st of 2019 to the 31st of July 2021. That would be three years. No, sorry, 2022. Um, so three years. And I was on day 405, so I sent him a note saying it's day, and so I've got 600 and something, whatever days it was left to go. <sighs> and he knew immediately I'm going for three years. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have known such like such a challenge would turn into such a passion? <laughs> I enjoy it. And, and, I, and the thing is, is I get a lot of feedback from people because sometimes I get on there and I just rabbit. I have no idea what I'm going to say when I go on these things. And sometimes I just waffle. But the number of people that will send me private messages going, hey, I really loved your Facebook Live today. I really needed to hear the message that you were sharing. And I'm like thinking, I have no idea what message I shared. I just waffled. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> how... Hey, if it touched somebody's heart... That's one of the strengths of you. That's why, that's why I love you. And that's why I'm just like, you know, you, you just have that energy about you that you just wish so much love and blessings and wellness for everybody. I just want you to keep getting interviewed and keep putting your videos out there because honestly, everything you've been through, I guess it was you giving yourself permission to know that you can proudly own that, that it didn't change how positive you were and you allowed your body to express and feel in its moments. You didn't just shut it down and talk yourself in and just keeping a smile for no reason. You actually loved yourself enough to let your tears and your body express so that you could continue to go and and be in your moment. And that's what I love about Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And one of the things that when you and I first connected and Brad came through to you, I had never experienced anything like that in my life. But when you turned around and you said that, um, I still remember this, you mentioned about me being at a crossroads and Brad was very um, proud of the decision I had made. I knew exactly that moment, that moment you were talking about. The crossroads I was standing at, if I went one way, it was into depression. If I went the other way, it was moving forward. And I remember, and I remember like it was yesterday, like I was standing there at that crossroads and thinking I just want to go and curl up in a dark space somewhere and just hide away from the world. And then I remembered the promise that I made to Brad that he made me promise to him that I would keep moving forward. That I would keep moving forward with life. I would keep spreading the love and joy and everything else, and I made that, and he made me promise to him before he passed that I would continue doing that oh and following our dreams. And one of our dreams was to go RVing around the U.S. Um, not full-time, but just to go on regular RV trips. I just happened to turn it into full-time. I took it a step further. Um, but that crossroads was, if I go one direction, it's the depression, I go the other direction, I'm fulfilling my promise to keep moving forward. And it was in that moment, when you said that... Um, when you told me that he said that when I that the decision I made was the right one, I knew exactly what moment he was referring to that you were referring to from his message from him was one way to depression, one way to keep moving forward. And even though it was a big struggle for me because all I really wanted to do at the time was just go curl up in a ball and just pull like a cover over my head and just hide away from the world. Um, but I remembered that promise to Brad to keep moving forward and that's what I did. It was, it was not an easy step to take. It was a very hard step to take because the easiest one would have been to just go lay down on the bed, pull the covers over my head, and just lay there and do nothing. 
Yeah, very true. But I made much for a lot of us. To keep moving forward, and I went out. And I can't remember what, can't remember what I did, but I remember getting in the car, and there was something I had to go do for one of my businesses that I went and did, and that was sort of like taking that step. That was taking that step forward with moving on. Um, it's been a struggle the last three years without having Brad there, um, because now all the decisions fall on my shoulders. I don't have a partner. I don't have a spouse that I can talk things out with anymore. And Brad always thought he was my anchor and holding me back. And I told him, no, you're my buoy because you keep me grounded, but you allow me to spread my wings and fly and be the crazy, outrageous person that you know and love. Um, and you allow me to have that, you know, allow my free spirit to, to soar while keeping me grounded. And so the, the last three years has been a big struggle in the fact that I feel like I'm flying around with no anchor with no, nothing holding me down to the ground. Um, I've got friends who, um, who are amazing friends who check in with me regularly, and they turn around and they, and, um, they all make up part of the buoy, but Brad was the mainstay of that buoy. Um, so they do the best that they can to try and keep me grounded when I ask for the help to, to ground me, um, or I go and bounce ideas off them. Um, so that's been the big struggle is that I just feel like I'm floating around without having a point of reference. That's why I'm so far outside my comfort zone. I no longer know where it is. Yeah, but even at that... I do have my blankie with me, though. <laughs> yeah, but even at that, Helen, take in consideration that you, you've traveled around the, the United States and was you may or may not have 100% planned your journey in exactly in a specific manner, like maybe your husband, the grounding wire, would have helped you do but you still was very solid in your decisions. So, my, my love, you, you, you're just as solid as, as your need may be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's sometimes I make decisions, and, I, and after I start following through on those plans, I'm like, did I make the right decision? Um, <laughs> and I keep telling Brad, I said, I want neon signs. <laughs> I don't want any of this. Because when I purchased that, I mean, he was a big Star Wars fan, and the day I purchased Sparkles, which for those that haven't figured out is my RV, um, the day I purchased Sparkles was May 4th, which is Star Wars Day. I did not make that connection until months later. And I remember when you and I were talking that, and I was telling you about the neon signs, you know, I said I want neon signs, big flashing yeah. lights, and I said the neon signs I want is I want to smell his cologne that he loved to wear, and I want to hear somebody call me by his, name for me that he had, his pet name that he had for me. I said, those are my neon signs that I want to hear when it comes to making a decision. When we're making major decisions and I ask for his help, did I make the right decision? Those are the two things that I want. I want to smell his favorite cologne and I want to hear his pet name for me. So um, I've been very specific about what I want <laughs> because I've been told in, in books that I have read and, and for people like, and from people who are in the realm that you're in that you've got to be very specific with your spirit guides and your angels as to what signs you want to what signs you want to see to know if you're on the right path yeah well honestly technically too it's like we always have our support system they're always there but if you yeah. have if you have a thought about something about and because if like to me I, i've been part of the, this realm for so long that i know that it's going to be obvious for me because mm -hmm. they, they know I just I don't care how obvious but just make it obvious <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you know if you're 
you're newer at trusting that aspect of you that it's so, so prevalent, actually. You know, you would get a little more specific because you'd be afraid that you'd miss the obvious. Yes. So, I, I, and like I, said to, like I said to you, I said, you tell them that, that me buying sparkles on Star Wars Day, it took me months to make that connection. <laughs> that was not obvious to me. <laughs> yeah, but you, obviously you knew he was like, oh, so you was there. <laughs> You're like, oh. Yeah, but I didn't know till months later. Yeah. <laughs> oh, honey, but you're you're larger than life and just experiencing. But yes, I, too, it it helps with you wanting the obvious too, is because you miss you physically miss him. So I do physically miss him. Yeah. it's it's just it's that companionship that we had. Yeah, we always did. We always had that banter thing going. Um, one of the thing, one of when he was first in hospital, he was only supposed to be there seven days and ended up staying twenty one days. This was his very first day after the first surgery. And we had Freddie dearly lost to me from hell. Um, so after that first surgery where he got Freddie, um, the nurses would actually fight over who was going to look after Brad for the day. <laughs> um, because our room was always the place to be because Brad and I were constantly bantering backwards and forwards with each other. We were always laughing because we know that laughter is the best medicine. Um, and um, so we always made it a fun atmosphere because I wanted him to come home and <clears throat> and then the hospital, I was basically doing everything for him. The nurses just gave him his drugs that he had to have, um, gave him his meds, changed the IV and on the whiteboard in his room, I wrote down all the different outputs that he had. You know, how much fluid did I remove from the ileostomies? How much fluid did I remove from the bowls? I was even changing his dressings. I had my own little medical supply thing set up there on the windowsill that they gave me. Um, so I could do whatever I needed to do because they realized that the skills that I had, um, that I learned years beforehand, they realized I was well above a lot of the people that come through the hospital where their spouses have no clue what they're doing. But they knew that I knew what I was doing because they had seen me. In fact, um, the charge nurse who helped me with the, with the bitchy nurse, um, she actually wanted me to come and be her personal assistant. She said, I will personally train you and you will work with me exclusively. I was like, no, I only have one patient. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not being a pa- I'm not taking care of anybody else. I have my patient. <laughs> and like, she was constantly trying to get me to come and work for her. I got so many job offers when I was at the hospital. It was unbelievable. And if I turned up at the ner- if I went and just stood at the nurses' station, they dropped what if they would all drop what they were doing. What can we do for you, Helen? What do you need? Because I took such, I mean, I was giving him his bed baths, I was changing his sheets, I was making his bed up every day, I was putting the gown on him, I was emptying, the, I was changing the oleostomy bags, I was emptying them, recording all the outputs and everything else. And we had this one nurse one time who was a relief nurse and um, I got him banned from working with Brad again um, because he was so bad. And at one point I, you know, I told him several times, we'd press the buzzer and said, oh, my husband's IV's beeping. And he's like, okay, I'll be in a few minutes to change it. An hour and a half later, he still, despite the fact that we were buzzing him every 20 minutes, he still hadn't come in. So I finally went out to the nurse's station, and he's just sitting there on the computer. He was actually playing cards on the computer. And I looked at him, and I said, you have two minutes to get your butt in that room and change his IV, or I'm going to do it for you. He was out of that chair so fast. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What, what I love about you being so open about your journey and your relationship with, with Brad is the fact that People who believe, you know, or don't believe in the fact that you could find 
um, a companion and mate in life that you have that type of deep bond and happy and, and joy and experiences and you valued what the other was strong and you was strong and just being and living in the moment and he was very mm-hmm. strong at keeping things grounded but instead of it turning like the oil and water you know which was on a tumultuous level or crazy like you guys just very much valued and loved each other because of and so thank you for sharing that and sh- like giving people you know inspiration. The fact that don't close your heart down because it it can, it is re- it can be real. It is very very real. I have lived it. I have experienced it, and I am so blessed and so grateful for the for the years that we had together. Um, yes, I miss him like crazy. You know, three years later, I still miss him like crazy. They say time heals all wounds. That's bullshit. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> very, very, I, I can say very. I can say very true. <laughs> you know, we just. It was less than a week ago. It was the third anniversary of his passing, and I was as torn up that day as I was the day he passed. Um, but I was also. It was it happened to be a Thursday. It was Thursday last week, and I remember doing my Facebook live that morning and talking about the day that he that he transitioned, and turning around and saying, you know, I am so blessed and grateful for the journey that we had together. And Brad always asked me, and I remember putting this into his eulogy as well, he, always, he would always ask me, if you could go back in time and change anything, would you? And I looked at him and went, no. And he's like, and he would look at me puzzled and he'd go, not even me getting cancer? I said, absolutely not. He's like, why? He says, you want to go for that? I said, look at the people. I said, we would not be the people we are today had we not been on that journey. We would not be the couple we are today had we not been on that journey. I said, you've got to put it all into perspective. It's all part of the grand scheme of things, but had we not been through that stuff that we went through together, we would not be the people, the individuals we are, and we would not be the couple that we are. And he just sort of thought about it. And I remember at, at his, um, part of his eulogy when I mentioned the story at the, for the, at the funeral there when I was doing his eulogy, I said, um, I said, if somebody was to ask me that same question today, the only thing I would ask for is more time. Hmm. Very, I wouldn't change a thing that had happened except to ask for more time with him. Yeah, it's such a beautiful perspective that you just you just put out there, and because mm-hmm. a lot of people would be like, "Oh yes, I would change that," and yet you saw such a deeper a deeper perspective and and you know we blessing go, from we it. We go through what we go through for a reason. There is a reason that Brad got cancer. And there was a reason we went on that journey, and everything we go on is preparing us for something else greater coming down the road, some greater reward coming down the road. Yeah, some people turn around and go, well, my life is shit and all this, and, and I can't believe all the crap I have to go through, and da, da 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 And you've got to change your perspective, because if you keep looking at what you're going through as being crappy and, um, oh, I can't believe this, I've got to go, oh, my gosh, I'm going through something else now, can this just stop? You've got to change the perspective that you, of how you look at it, because what you put out, you get back. If you're putting out those negative emotions all the time, you're just going to get nothing but negative back. Very true. You've got to change your perspective on things. You've got to look at the things of, I am going through this journey for a reason. There are greater rewards for me. I am thankful to be in this moment. I am blessed to be in this moment. I am great. Actually, it's gratitude. Yeah. it's, It's looking at everything through the eyes of gratitude. No matter what you're going through, be thankful for it. And then the more thankful you are, the more abundance will come back to you of great of gratitude. Yeah, the deeper understanding you'll have about the importance of why that that was needed. Yep. Yep. I mean, my 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 logo for my logo for my um 
my direction for this year, my mission statement for this year, or vision statement, whatever you want to call it, it's, and I even have it printed on my water bottle, it's 2020 vision beyond what you can see. And it's all about stepping out in faith. You know, and I came up with this at, um, at the be- end of last year, beginning of this year, that you know we're going to go along this road. There's going to be mountains in the way. We've got to figure ways over it, under it, around it, through it. And on the other side is where the greater rewards are going to be. I had no clue at that time that this COVID thing was going to happen and we would be in the middle of a global pause. But it's all about putting it in perspective. We are very, very blessed to be in this time and going through this moment in time, going okay. through this. And people are going, oh, but I've lost people. Yes, I understand that people, people pass away every single day for varying reasons. I understand that. I get that. But you've got to look at the bigger picture. This is a very blessed time for us to be in. How you handle this time is going to prepare you for what's coming next. So are you going to bitch and moan about it and get more bitching and moan and just continually bitch and moan about everything that comes along? Or are you going to embrace this time, look for the opportunities that are out there, grab them by the horns and just hang on and go on a hell of a ride that will take you to an incredible future? And... Um, who is, oh, Carrie Underwood has a song called So Small. And the lyrics in there, if you go and read the lyrics, one of the lyrics that I absolutely love is, sometimes that mountain you've been climbing is just a grain of sand. Think about the power behind that. That you think you're going up a mountain when you're actually scaling a grain of sand. Get things in perspective. Look at life. Be, be thankful that you are in this moment in time and feel the blessings and the abundance that is available and the opportunities out there right here, right now. Because that, that we are flooded with them. But people are so upset about this time that we're going through that they're not opening their eyes to it. They're shut down to it. I love that. So those I, are my words of wisdom for you. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, because and the thing is, too, is like nobody can like shrug it off that you don't understand what the deepest form of heartbreak is. And yet yeah. you still embrace that and want to continue stepping forward when you, you you yourself said you was at that crossroads and you know what it's like to struggle through it and make the decision that also brings happiness and blessings back to you. So I love that. Absolutely. What is the next great thing for Helen Brahms? Like what what is your next big adventure other than hitting the three year mark and then then some <laughs> You can't tell me you haven't th- thought about ins- inspiration moments and haven't at least written them down for entertainment. <laughs> um, I haven't done a, a subconscious brain dump for a while. Um, I need to do one because my head is just so full of stuff right now. So I need to do a subconscious brain dump. And those that don't know what a subconscious brain dump is, it's picking up a pen and paper and just allowing. And you and you go into you can you can start with a meditation, just going into a few minutes of meditation, just to try and quiet the brain down. And then you open your eyes and just let the pen flow. And you've got to do it with pen and paper. You cannot do this with a computer. But you put pen to paper and you just let the words flow and you have no idea what's coming out of that pen until it's written down. Um, It is the most amazing free free flow form of writing that there is. And getting that crap out of your head, sometimes it is crap that you've got to get out of your head. Um, Getting those emotions out onto paper like that actually clears you to be open to receiving um, because sometimes our brains are so think of if you've ever seen Harry Potter and they had that that bowl thing that you would see Dumbledore like take memories out and put them into that bowl to create space in his head for new memories to be created okay um, 
that's kind of what you're doing. Um, I love your the analogy. Pensive bowl, the pensive bowl. Um, so when you do your subconscious writing, it is stuff coming from your subconscious, so you're not consciously aware of what you're writing down until it comes out of the pen. And I have scared the crap out of myself with what's come out of my pen at times. <laughs> like I, I suddenly read what's come out, and, I, and, I, and the pen goes flying because I suddenly like throw my arms up, and this pen goes flying across the room. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and I'm looking at what I've written, and I'm like, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> And then I've had to go pick up my pen so I can continue writing. I've got to first of all find the pen and then continue writing. Sometimes it's just like, because I always have a multitude of pens around, just pick up a, another pen and just continue writing. <laughs> so, the, <laughs> But um, it is one of the most freeing forms of writing that there is. And you're just allowing your emotion, you allow your emotions to flow, you allow your thoughts to flow. You don't censor anything. Um, you just let it flow out. Um, and so I haven't done any of that for a while, and that usually helps clear up where I'm going next. But for now, I am going to be spending the rest of 2020 in Arizona. Um, and I actually had the last couple of two or three days, I've had a multitude of opportunities literally drop into my lap. Nice. And as I was driving yesterday um, to this campground where I am now for the next three months, I suddenly thought, you know, this is the perfect timing because for these op- to do these opportunities because I'm going to be in one location for three months. There's startup opportunities that I'm going to be assisting with, and we don't have to worry about my travel schedule because I'm going to be in the same place for the next three months. Perfect. So these, it's all about timing. It's all about timing. So there's these new opportunities that are coming my way that um, I am embracing and taking on um, because opportunities multiply as they are seized. That was um, Sun Zhao said that. And um, so I'm taking advantage of these opportunities and the fact that I'm in place for three months to help get these, I- to help get these ideas up and running. And so it's going to be an amazing three months that are coming up. What's planned for 2021? I have no clue. I haven't thought that far ahead. I'm just worried about the next 90 days. It's best just to be well, in the I'm moment. I'm not worried about the next 90 days. <laughs> yep. I'm excited for the next 90 days. Be in the moment. In the moment. So it's a great place to be. That being said, darling, how if people were looking to connect with you, whether it be asking you questions for what they could do with their genealogy or your marketing consulting or um, anything else that you, Jack of all trades, beautifully perfect in my opinion, do, how can people find you? How can they reach out to you? The best way to reach out to me is, message, is either message me on Facebook. I am the only Helen Brahms on Facebook. Um, the other thing they can do is go to connectwithhelen.com and they can set up a time in my calendar. Perfect. And that's, uh, that would probably be the easiest way because a lot of times if they're not friends with me already on Facebook, it will disappear into that other mailbox, which I check like once a month, once every other month. Um, but yes, yeah, so the easiest way would be connectwithhelen.com. Okay, perfect. Well, I love you and thank you so much. Like, Helen, I love you too. thank you so much well, for thank sharing you for this the time. Opportunity. Absolutely. Like I said, I feel like I won the lottery ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would give you much, as much time as, as, as you want, but I know that uh, you have a busy schedule and stuff, but I feel like I, overhe- I overheld you anyhow. But, <laughs> but thank you. I, I, I love you, heart you, and, and I can't wait to see where your journey takes you. Thank you, Bree. I've totally enjoyed our time together, and you know I love sitting and chatting with you. You're just, you're just, a, um, you are a ray of sunshine, a, a great sparkle 
in the in the right scheme of things. Oh, thank you. Well, I will definitely let you go on that one and uh, talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you, everybody, for joining Helen and I during this great connection time. And hopefully, much like me, you were able to see a lot of great things that she experienced losing her beloved husband, opening up and finding more blessings in her life you know, to continue their, her journey and the promises that she made with him and herself. Priceless, beyond priceless, because there's nothing harder to step through than a broken heart. Hopefully, if you're going through that yourself, that you find the love and encouragement of moving forward is still a blessing in doing so. But go ahead and reach out to Helen and uh, also reach out to, to me through beyondgrounded.com or Estella at beyondgrounded.com. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram as well. Reach out to me and let me know the most inspiring things about your journey as well. On that note, Beyond Grounded family, I fluffy heart you and I'm so grateful for your presence. Much love and many blessings. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.